0: JC Ryles Devotional Thoughts on the Gospel of Luke Section 5 The Angel's Announcement to Mary that She would be the Mother of our Lord Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 33 And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was joseph of the house of david and the virgin's name was mary and the angel came in unto her and said hail thou that art highly favored the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women And when she saw him she was troubled at his saying And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob for ever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. We have in these verses the announcement of the most marvelous event that's ever happened in this world, the incarnation and birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a passage which we should always read with mingled wonder, love and praise. We should notice in the first place the lowly and unassuming manner in which the Saviour of mankind came among us. The angel who announced his coming was sent to an obscure town of Galilee named Nazareth. The woman who was honoured to be our Lord's mother was evidently in a humble position of life both in her station and her dwelling-place, there was an utter absence of what the world calls greatness. We need not hesitate to conclude that there was a wise providence in all this arrangement. The Almighty Council, which orders all things in heaven and earth— could just as easily have appointed Jerusalem to be the place of Mary's residence as Nazareth, or could as easily have chosen the daughter of some rich scribe to be our Lord's mother as a poor woman. But it seemed good that it should not be so. The first coming of Messiah was to be a coming in poverty and humiliation. That humiliation was to begin even from the time of his conception and birth. Let us beware of despising poverty in others and of being ashamed of it if God lays it upon ourselves. The condition of life which Jesus voluntarily chose ought always to be regarded with holy reverence. The common Tendency of the day to bow down before rich men and make an idol of money, ought to be carefully resisted and discouraged. The example of our Lord is a sufficient answer to a thousand grovelling maxims about wealth which pass current among men. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes. He became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. Let us admire the amazing condescension of the Son of God, the heir of all things, not only took our nature upon him, but took it in the most humbling form in which it could have been assumed. It would have been a condescension to come to earth as a king and reign. It was a miracle of mercy surpassing our comprehension to come on earth as a poor man, to be despised and suffer and die. Let his love constrain us to live not to ourselves, but to him. Let his example daily bring home to our conscience the precept of Scripture— Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Romans chapter 12, verse 16. We should notice in the second place the high privilege of Mary. The language which the angel Gabriel addresses to her is very remarkable. He calls her highly favoured. He tells her that the Lord is with her. He says to her, Blessed are you among women. It is a well-known fact that the Roman Catholic Church pays an honour to Mary hardly inferior to that which it pays to her blessed son. She is formally declared by the Roman Catholic Church to have been conceived without sin. She is held up to Roman Catholics as an object of worship and prayed to as a mediator between God and man, no less powerful than Christ himself. For all this, be it remembered, there is not the slightest warrant in Scripture. There is no warrant in the verses before us now. There is no warrant in any other part of God's Word. But while we say this, we must in fairness admit that no woman was ever so highly honoured as the mother of our Lord. It is evident that one woman... Only, out of countless millions of the human race, could be the means whereby God would be manifest in the flesh, and Mary had the mighty privilege of being that one. By one woman, sin and death were brought into the world at the beginning. By the child-bearing of one woman, life and immortality were brought to light when Christ was born." No wonder that this one woman was called highly favoured and blessed. One thing in connection with this subject should never be forgotten by Christians. There is a relationship to Christ within reach of us all, a relationship far nearer than that of flesh and blood, a relationship which belongs to all who repent and believe. Whoever shall do the will of god says jesus the same is my brother and sister and mother blessed is the womb that bore you was the saying of a woman one day but what was the reply yes rather blessed are those who hear the word of god and keep it mark chapter 3 verse 35 luke chapter 11 verse 27 We should notice finally in these verses the glorious account of our Lord Jesus Christ, which the angel gives to Mary. Every part of the account is full of deep meaning and deserves our close attention. Jesus shall be great, says Gabriel. Of his greatness we know something already. He has brought in a great salvation. He has shown himself to be a prophet greater than Moses. He is a great high priest, and he shall be greater still when he shall be crowned as the eternal king. Jesus shall be called the Son of the Highest, says Gabriel. He was so before he came into the world, equal to the Father in all things. He was from all eternity the Son of God, but he was to be known and acknowledged as such by the church. The Messiah was to be recognized and worshipped as nothing less than the true God. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, says Gabriel, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob for ever. The literal fulfilment of this part of the promise is yet to come. Israel is yet to be gathered. The Jews are yet to be restored to their own land, and to look to him who they once pierced as their king and their God. Though the accomplishment of this prediction tarry, we may confidently wait for it. It shall surely come one day, and not tarry. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3 Finally, says Gabriel, of the kingdom of Jesus, there shall be no end. Before his glorious kingdom, the empires of this world shall one day go down and pass away. Like Nineveh and Babylon and Tyre and Carthage, they shall all come to nothing one day, and the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom. Before Jesus, every knee shall one day bow, and every tongue confess that he is Lord. His kingdom shall prove to be an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion shall never pass away. Daniel chapter 7 verse 14 and 27. The true Christian should often dwell on this glorious promise and take comfort in its contents. He has no cause to be ashamed of his master. As poor and despised as he may often be for the gospel's sake, he may feel assured that he is on the conquering side. The kingdoms of this world shall yet become the kingdoms of Christ. In a little while he who shall come will come and will not tarry. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37. For that blessed day. Let us patiently wait and watch and pray. Now is the time for carrying the cross and for fellowship with Christ's sufferings. The day draws near when Christ shall take his great power and reign and when all who have served him faithfully shall exchange a cross for a crown.